0: Hey everybody welcome back to the pixelist podcast podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy as always i'm will that's blake today we're here to talk about some critical role and maybe in record time for us honestly what up the day <laughs> after look at us let's it's go it's a new day
1: it until is a next new day. day probably
0: Let's <laughs> enjoy this while it lasts okay that's right <laughs> and how fitting to um have such a quick recording after such a crazy episode like yes um fate knew that i was
1: staying up late fate told me to stay up late to watch it i guess
0: so (laughs) but yeah so much to talk about this episode um and we're gonna get into it uh but before we do i mean we we just recorded like a couple days ago so there aren't really new announcements, but I guess we can just kind of give another quick plug of the same things. Um, we've got the, not the candelabra, but the, the candle of Skira new campaign coming from critical role that, uh, I'm really excited about. And based on what they were saying, uh, last night, it does seem to be a recurring series that will happen. Uh, but this first one we're getting with that cast is going to be three episodes long. I, I think that's what I gathered. Um, cool. in addition to that, we had, uh, Dimension 20, the Ravening War, start this week. Um, the campaign that is Matt that Matt's DMing. Um, I've had a chance to start it. I have not finished episode one yet. Um, but I'm already like, oh my gosh, there's like so much lore that I don't understand. Um Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> which I'm not used to. So if any of yeah. you Dimension Twenty people have like any type of um a cheat sheet or something yeah like a cheat sheet that uh isn't spoilery because i've been hesitant to like google like crown of candy world because i don't want to just be flooded with spoilers this is Um, the
1: kingdom where lou wilson is tragically (laughs) murdered on episode three yeah just like the high
0: notes like
1: who are the major players that'd be helpful for me too
0: yeah that would be great but um i'm loving it so far i think i'm about an hour deep um how long is it it's two and a half hours. So I don't know if, if all of them are okay. going to be that long or, um, cause I know D20 is usually shorter than like a typical critical role episode. But yeah, yeah. okay. Um, <clears throat> anything other than those things to talk about? No. Um, it's Mother's Day coming up. That's right. Yeah. Uh, two to, it'll, from recording this, if you watch this today, we put it out. Mother's Day is Sunday. So make sure you call your mom at the very least. Yeah, if you guys have a good relationship, used. obviously, you're not. I'm not trying to <laughs> tell you to get in touch with some toxic people or anything. Everyone's got their own story. Why am I talking about oh, this? You're, you're making it weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's Mother's Day, so don't forget. Um, also, graduation day for for around these parts. Not that either us of us are graduating, but uh, maybe. I don't know. If that, is that like a universal day for places? Probably not. I don't think so. <laughs> well, if you happen to be watching this and you are a graduate, congratulations.
1: Congrats.
0: Um, <clears throat> we have written them all.
1: Moms, <laughs> graduates. Boom, you know, checking them off on the, the
0: list. list. <laughs> um. But yeah, okay. Without further ado, let's actually jump into it. And uh as always, we're going to start with a recap of the episode before we dive in. And we cut that recap out. Posted on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on just that recap video, but you want to hear our full thoughts on the episode of us diving into all this lore, uh, the link to the full video will be linked down below. All right, so um, we're recording this so soon after, we don't know the episode title yet. But this is Campaign 3, Episode 58. And we pick up with our crew inside the Guild Hollow Tower having just come face to face with this amorphous entity that is crawling out of the ceiling, um, which is where we left off the cliffhanger in the last one. So this thing slams down onto the ground and it is this like slopping amorphous massive blob of teeth and mouths. And it's just horrific. And we roll initiative. And as always, I'm just going to, you know, hit the highlights of the combat. Um, So, to start things off, this thing does psychic damage basically that you can't save from um yeah. it's not like a ton of damage, but that's like a constant thing that's happening throughout the whole combat and with this being uh this thing being so big and this kind of chamber room not being the biggest, and also there's this you know narrow stairway that's involved, um maneuverability in here is not great, so this uh encounter is very like limited for the party and what they can actually do. Um, So, you know, combat's going on, and this creature is essentially trying to consume, amongst its other various attacks, members of the party by, like, literally eating them Mm. and enveloping them into itself. Um, Classic. Yeah, so that's happening. And uh, at one point, Imogen casts a lightning bolt, and um, this actually sets part of the room on fire. So also during this encounter, the whole tower is starting to go up in flames, not to mention the fact that Frida in the previous episode, like, doused a bunch of the tower in oil so that they could burn it when they left. So they've got that going on as well. Um, This creature ends up grappling Fern and uses two of its legendary actions to just straight up consume her, like I was referring to, and it actually rolls a nat 20 like during this interaction. So she takes 54 damage and is knocked out and is knocked out inside of this creature. Um, So she, uh, you know, is making death saving throws and fails the first one. So now everyone's freaking out. Um, But Frida is able to reach in and pull Fern out and cast spare the dying on her in the process. Um, Mm -hmm. Chetney then immediately casts invisibility on Fern to help protect her unconscious body. And as the fight rages on, this creature, like, starts to form this massive mouth in its center, like, 15 feet wide, and just spews miasma out um, all over basically, like, half the party, including Fern, um, again, who is unconscious. And everyone saves, except for Fern, clearly, um, and this causes the Spare the Dying to basically get nullified, because Fern mm. takes more damage, um, and because of this, she now has two death fails. Mm. So Deanna uses her channel divinity to preserve life and basically gets Fern back up to half health. Um, So she's now conscious, but still invisible. So combat continues and this fire is starting to spread and the creature does not like the fire. So it is kind of like forcing its way um, to the staircase to kind of trap half the party, but also to sort of escape from the fire itself. Uh, And things are getting kind of dicey, so um deanna uses her last big spell slot to cast death ward on chetney just because she's worried okay. with how this is going and she wants to do that with her last like big use of energy um <clears throat> but although it's looking dicey fern does run up eventually and cast burning hands on the creature and gets the how do you want to do this moment uh and this entity is called the Hatemonger. i i don't think i mentioned that earlier yeah, right um But they get the how do you want to do this, Um, but there's not really much time to celebrate because, like I said, the whole place is burning down. So, quickly, the focus shifts back to the strange circular area that they were investigating in the last episode. Um, And they start to cast spell slots into it again, thinking that may be the way to unlock it. So, Frida casts a guiding bolt, and then FCG casts command, saying open. And either coincidentally or not, that is when the thing does unlock and reveal itself to be this little like storage space within the wall and all that's inside is just this old leather satchel so fcg grabs it and they'll check it out later because this place is burning down so everyone is heading out but um they make a couple of last investigation checks to see if there's just anything else in here before this all burns away um They don't see anything, but Chetney and Frida are stubborn and they're like, we'll stay and take a bit of fire damage. Like, we just want to make sure we'll do one more check. And Matt's like, I took that personal. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you know, you already inspected this place and it's literally burning down. So like the DC is high to find anything you haven't already found anyway, but they stay, they roll. And Matt's like, yeah, I mean, you don't find anything new. Um, But because they stayed so long, Chetney notices Mm -hmm. that in the corpse of the hate monger, this like limbs like smashes out of like the remnants and this entity starts crawling out of the corpse. And Chet is like, "Okay, let's get out of here. But this thing continues to crawl out and it's more humanoid than the previous iteration, but it is still like 10 feet tall, um, has no eyes, a mouth and like tendrils on its head. Uh, this weird aberration that basically starts chasing them out of the tower now. Um, But as they're escaping, Imogen uses telekinesis to kind of hold it in place and lift it up so that everyone can get out, um, which they do. And FCG then casts stone shape to block off the only entrance and exit, essentially trapping this thing, in the burning tower. So now that they're outside, they're like, well, we still got to get out of here. There's, the wolf creature, there's that flying creature. Like we're not safe yet. Um, so they're trying to stealthily make their way out. Uh, but Frida gets a nat one and, you know, causes a big commotion, which they all of a sudden start hearing the howls of the wolf King. So they're like, yep. we got to go. <clears throat> so they make their way guided by Imogen, who I believe rolled a natural 20 um, to guide them through. They do end up making their way kind of out of the city proper and over the main wall. And uh, they can start to hear the howls in the distance, like the Wolf King's going a different way. So they did manage to successfully evade it. Um, So they continue traveling just to get further and further away. And that's basically where we go to break on the first half.
1: And basically nothing else happened that episode, right? No. (laughs) So there's like a, I'll just go and tell you guys, there's a crazy amount of things that happen in the second half of the episode. So Will's going to jump in if I miss a detail. Uh, but yeah. especially in the comments, if I miss something, you can add it there as well. Um, a lot, it's a very meaty lore second half. Um, so the party basically comes back from the break. They have found this um, like abandoned nest. It's almost like a dome of thorns and thistles that they have now hidden inside within the Savalier Woods. And they're basically like, hey, let's let's look over the stuff that we got. So FCG opens up the satchel just as everyone's like, wait, no. And a trap goes off. He gets blown up to the ceiling of this little dome area (laughs) and takes like 30, 40 points of um force. Decent amount. It's a lot. Uh and he's like, ow. Um, then they open inside and there's nothing in there. And they're like, hang on, we're a little little more clever than this. So they realize basically it's a bag of holding and they ask it for ludinus' notes. And when they do this, um, a pile of papers basically come out. Not only that, chenny's going to eventually take the bag and basically dump it, everything out. They're going to get a handful of gems, um, some of them quite valuable. They're going to get a leather vest harness type of armor. Uh, they're going to get a staff. They're going to get a rod that um, is not a dildo. <laughs> Uh, The second (laughs) half is a very horny second half, by the way, (laughs) just getting out. there, There's a lot of, a lot of sexual tension in the second half, Uh, but they made sure to point out it was not a dildo. (laughs) And um, I think that's everything that they find. Um, And basically what they're going to end up doing is they're going to basically be going through these, these notes from lewdness. Now at first they're blank. Um, like, Uh, wipes like some soil on him, I think, and like is able like to faintly see some like script on it. it's basically an Elvish and Deanna basically begins reading these notes. Now, these notes are in batches of three, like three sections of notes. Um, The first one is um, a, oddly enough, a, it seems to be some kind of connection to the leather harness that they found. And there's language from lewdness about basically feeding the root and a reminder, like every number of years I need to return to feed the root, uh, which they're like, what does that mean? Well, also what's on here is a list of uh, powerful fate entities uh, that are across Exandria. And not only that, some of them are scratched out. It seems like this is some kind of like hit list or um, like Ludinus maybe needed, to maybe even consume these creatures to do something we're not sure what but it's seemingly related to this leather harness uh that they have um uh they immediately decide maybe we need to ask mori about this at some point fern has no idea what any of this is uh being from the Feywild. wild but they decide you know what let's hold off on putting the harness on for now we don't know what's going to happen with it let's look at the second pile of notes um so they look at the second pile of notes and it's basically like a personal scrawlings from Ludinus, uh pretty much um cursing the fact that he wasn't born as a root is born and sort of begrudging the fact that he wasn't God touched and sort of yearning for that. Uh however, he commits himself to uh basically connecting, uh having some kind of communion with the ruddy moon. And he's set on it. He's stubborn on it. He's like, I'm, you know, whenever a flare happens, I'm going to find a way to connect with it and talk with it. Um, and it's also around this time that the party is kind of like, you know, I think it's Imogen's like, you know, Lunas was such an idiot. Like he didn't even know what he was reaching out to, didn't even know like what he was doing. And yet he was obsessed with doing this. Um, they look at the third pile of notes and it's basically a description of this like well of energy or well of power that sits beneath Molesmere. And there's conversation about this well being possibly something that came from one of the falling cities during the calamity, um, or that it's some kind of gift from the Archheart. heart. Um, and essentially uh, the connection seems to be that Ludinus wants to harness the energy of this well Uh, in order to commune with um, Ruidus in some way. Um, And that's the last of the notes. Um, Like I mentioned, the party's basically like, you know, what's this, like, what is he up to? What's the harness? Should we put it on? Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, But they decide to basically look at the other items they have. Um, The large staff is an extremely powerful item called the Staff of Dark Odyssey. Uh, it is a little bit like the ring of spell storing in that it stores, it has some spells that are stored in it, in it. Um, and one of them is the teleportation spell and they immediately realize, re- immediately realize, Hey, we can teleport. Like we can teleport and take all of us and go see our friends again. Like, where should we go? Should we go back to Uthodern? Uh, maybe we should go to Uthodern and give these papers to the King and Queen and there's a lot of conversation on, like, what they should do with this, these papers. What should Where should they go from here? They talk about Vassalheim, and they're also being like, well, no one really knows us there. Like I mentioned, they talk about Uthedern, and Chetney's like, I, I don't trust the king and queen. Like, we were the most powerful people there. Like, I think this kind of stuff should stay with us. Um, and ultimately, um, they're going to talk about this later in the episode, in this back half, but they table it for a second. The small... Um, not a dildo um stick thingy. Uh, rod, is rod, thank you. Oh, I want to keep calling it a stick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a rod. Um it is a um, oh man, I forgot what it was called, but it lets you go to another plane if you have like a focus in that plane of existence.
0: Yeah, it's like a it's like um, a tuning fork.
1: Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So um there's that. Um and they're still a bit unsure as to what the harness is and what it does um but they do decide you know let's not put it on for now i guess um so they decide they're going to sleep on it that they're going to wait till the next day to decide exactly where they're going to teleport but before they go to bed there is this thing with frida and having frida feeling like some kind of connection to molest and specifically the names Laren and the other two people that were mentioned the previous episode and if you recall, um, Imogen and FTG had offered to basically dream dive, to share a dream with Frida and figure out what was going on there. So Frida agrees. They immediately go into uh, their memories and they see D pulling Frida out of some rubble, repairing them. Um, it kind of flashes forward. We see... Um, Uh, Frida with Deanna and sort of just sharing some camaraderie over a fireplace. Uh, There's some kind of like um, memory of children in some way. And ultimately the memories go way back to a time. We're not sure of where it is, but Frida is in the middle of this sort of all out battle. And not only in this all out battle, Frida is absolutely shredding people, like breaking necks, like killing people and Matt describes Frida sort of awash with this sense of regret and sadness and it's in this moment that Frida realizes that the people they're fighting are are former allies, like there's some kind of rebellion or coup of some way happening and unfortunately in this dream he has a couple of chances to roll he rolls I think a 4 and then a 10 and just can't quite get the lore drop that we all wanted. We we're just yeah. like, come on. Um, I think, uh, Travis was just like, bro, bro, come on. <laughs> so anyway, um, they have an opportunity to three of them to kind of like follow the, the momentum of the soldiers. And instead Frida decides to look back and go back. Um, they go down a tunnel and they open up into this large They get to this large atrium of a room with gizmos and sort of like this incredibly um, energetic uh, room of all this technology, uh, this massive contraption um, that has a little bit of a similarity to the Malleus keys, but is also quite different. Um, And there is a voice that shouts basically to protect the factorum. Uh, Then there is a a buzzing energy, everything fades to white, and the party wakes up. Um, Chetney immediately points out that the factum is the factum malleus, the creator hammer, which was the powerful weapon that AR had created to kill the gods. Um, And they realize that Frida was there. He was there in that moment. Um, And there's also a memory of them, again, being recovered by D. Uh, Matt describes being on like the edge of ruin and D not only recovering Frida, but repairing them and restoring them. And then sort of like setting them on their way. Um, the party again, talks more about where should we go? Like, we're not sure where we should teleport to again. They table it. Uh, and then there's this really sweet touching memory or moment between Deanna and Chetney where Deanna is very much kind of aloof. Um, she realizes that Frida's feeling kind of, in a tough way and tries to reach out to Frida. And Frida's like, I just don't want to be touched. I don't want to be hugged. And actually says it's the first time that Frida has ever rejected a hug from Deanna. So Deanna's pretty sad and on her own. And she basically confides in Chetney and says, like, I, I feel like Frida's maybe moving on. And I'm worried that everyone's going to leave me just like what happened to me, you know, once I died and was revived. Yeah. Uh, Chetney immediately is reassuring her. And they they have a little spark there. In fact, Deanna's like, thanks, chat. That was really nice. And is like, hey, so tell me about this werewolf thing. And mentioning it was a very horny episode. Um, <laughs> they both run out into the wilderness uh, and call uh, uh, Fern to follow as well, who obliges. Um Imogen does a thumb war with herself as like the her Frida and FG are the only ones left for the evening. And uh, that's the evening. Um, I think actually also before they went to sleep, FCG does... Um, oh, wait, this is the next morning. I can't remember. But a couple more things are going to happen. FCG is going to cast Communion with the Changebringer. And the reason for that is because they're they're just trying to decide where to go. Like, where should we do the teleportation spell? Should we go to Drusar? Maybe our friends would be there. Maybe we go to Marquette. And there's a lot of, like, random things as well where Imogen's even like, hey, stop with these stupid ideas. Like, where are we going to go? <laughs> so FCG does Commune. He's immediately elevated to this place where they see the change bringer um, is able to ask questions. Notably, are my friends alive? And the change bringer says yes, um, and basically is like um, also asks, Hey, am I going to know Frida for a long time? And the answer is basically like the future hasn't been written yet. Then suddenly, FCG is like ripped forward, like right into the space of the change bringer, and the change bringer basically gives them a command as a champion of the change bringer and says there's a terrible fate that's looming and calls this fate or this terrible thing um the red end and says that it stirs in its slumber and you know you can't turn away from this road like it's time to basically like take up my banner and prevent the evil that's going to happen Ftg after the fact mentions how What's kind of on brand for the change bringers? You kind of make your own path, and like, okay, well now I'm not. Now I'm supposed to do this exactly, I guess. Similarly, Deanna has this vision of the Dawn Father standing in all of its might, flaming head of a son and commands Deanna to basically do the same—to take up his banner to stop the the. You want to say the big red, (laughs) the (laughs) red end. And basically threatens to say, if you don't do this, I will take back from you the gifts I have granted you. One of the gifts that she infers this to mean, <clears throat> the gift of revival, what had brought her back from the dead. Um, so they both come out of this, you know, vision, and they're like, okay, looks like it's our job to stop this. And uh, they're like, hey, so should we split up, or and like. Turns like, no, you should stay with us forever. And you could just <laughs> see Matt kind of like, okay, well, I guess I need to figure this out. Um, and uh, ultimately the party decides to, um, uh, Deanna does give Chetney her ring of temporal salvation because she's worried about Chetney, wants to make sure that he, he'll be okay. And he'll get through all of this. And then um, the party decides to teleport to Drusar, specifically Zadana's house. The, the woman who, Ladna and Imogen had been renting a a room from. And the episode ends as the party gets sucked into this teleportation spell, not knowing if they're going to arrive there safely or not. Uh, and that is where episode fifty eight finally ends. <laughs> so much stuff. And again, um that that's the episode. Oh, oh, I forgot one thing. One important detail. Um there is a conversation with Chetney. As they're talking about the, the oh, yeah. planes rider rod ride or whatever, and he's talking about like some of the work he's done in the past, and he mentions the Rexentrum Toy Authority. And <laughs> there's this awesome moment with FGG being like, Rexentrum Toy Authority, RTA, is that your tattoo? <laughs> and Jenny's like, no, no, it, it's a union. And he's like, You got a tattoo for a union? And basically just realized the source of his tattoo, which was a really great moment. Yep. So um, that was the end of the episode. And again, if we left anything out, you can put it in the comments, but if you are watching just the recap, we'll have a link to the full episode discussion. Uh, so you can join us there. So
0: yeah, great job, by the Ooh. way, there was a lot to cover there. Um, that was <laughs> one of the meatiest episodes we've ever had. I feel like. Yeah. And we got a whole lot to dive into. So again, Bro. if you just watch the recap, check it down below for our full thoughts. Um, yeah. yeah bro so much to talk about i don't even really i'm overwhelmed with where to begin honestly it
1: and the only reason i didn't turn the episode off was cuz we had like an hour and a half to go and there were so there had already been so much stuff that i was like i can't i can't like stop watching this episode <laughs> you know so yeah. this episode was a long time coming there was some <laughs> really satisfying uh, i don't know if payoffs is the right word but just so much was revealed that it just it was just a really good episode.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I almost forgot, you know, what'd you think? You basically just said it, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I, this was, um, the best episode in a while, definitely the best episode of this arc, I would say. And one of my favorite episodes sure. in, in recent memory, um, mm-hmm. cause we, we had everything. We had a crazy cool combat against this really cool monster. Um, the heaviest of lore drops so much information and some really cool, like interpersonal party developments as well. Um, you know, with the critical roles, first threesome. And, uh, we also had, you know, I, I, I guess the moment didn't happen in game, but, uh, that that was a really sweet moment with, uh, Christian giving Sam, those, those matching hoodies. Those were really cool.
1: Yeah. And then Travis giving, Deanna. And I just felt like it was like, Hey, you're always one of us kind yeah. of gift giving both of them. Their, um, woodworked, uh, gifts was really cool too.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, full-fledged party members at that point, if you're getting a, a Chetney gift, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so loved the episode. Um, and yeah, for, I mean, it's only been, it's been less than 24 hours since it's come out, but, um, from what I've seen, everyone, has seemed to love it um which you know i don't want to get into this right now but obviously there's been a lot of criticism yeah. lately sure. um so it's just good to kind of see everyone you know really be happy happy i guess or i just you know mm-hmm. excited and on board for this um but yeah loved it where to start though i don't i don't know i mean it, we probably are just going to have to jump around. I need to, I think I need to make some like scratch notes just so I don't forget. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know where to start, man. So much, so much good, like meaty stuff. And then also like some like really side details that I'm really curious about. Like the, the Faye, um, like dryad, supposed hit list, like things yeah. like that, like feed the root. I'm just like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, and we said this last episode, by the way, that it's interesting how Ludenus's plan seemed so, it seemed like we had figured it out. Like we knew everything, you know? It's like, yeah, we've gotten to the, the, the peak of his plan, the Apogee Solstice, like it's happening now. And since then, now there's all these other details. That's like, okay, this was like the most overt part of the plan but there were like plans among plans for like all these other like tangential parts as well.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And I've got, I've got thoughts on all these pieces that maybe will converge, but um, an interesting thing is we don't know exactly when these notes were written. Right. You know, so like for context, for contextualization of, you know, what phase he was at. Um, Cause these could be hundreds of years ago and some of it, appear to be I mean obviously they are they're old because they where they found them, but um like the one notes that were talking about him kind of discovering ruitus and researching it and having that first communion mm-hmm. um which caused the destruction of mirror at least presumably I guess that wasn't like fact for fact stated, but it seems think- to be.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can pause there for a second. I think the third batch of notes, like the well, or whatever the source of power underneath Mlesmire that he wanted to utilize to commune. I'm hmm. assuming that that action is what cursed the city. Yeah. Especially like the um, the descriptions of like the miasma coming out of like the fissures. Um, to me, seems like that that would have to be it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like, I wonder if that. Whatever moment that was where he utilized that power source to initially reach out to let's just say Pradathos, even though that maybe isn't necessarily the right verbiage to use, but assuming. Um, because we know in the earlier episode he told um Fern and was it Imogen um in the professor's office that like he has spoken to Prodathos. So to me, this right. is that moment, or at least the initial moment. Maybe they have a continued line of communication somehow now. Um, but yeah, we're, so he, he utilized whatever that power source is. And maybe we, maybe we talk about that too. I don't know how important it is. But either, well, the two explanations we potentially got were either an artifact from like a flying city back in the age of Arcanum or a gift from the Heart. Um, Which, what is that? What's the, what's what's the, the Arkheart? A de- uh, deity. Or Arkheart. Uh,
1: Okay. It's one of the oh, deities. It's one
0: of the okay. Uh, Coralon okay. the Archeart is the okay. Name. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, he. We don't know what this means that he used the power source. I'm wondering if it was similarly during a solstice, like, maybe, like, mm. you know. But reached out, and that's what caused the chaos that ended Malasmir. Um, which is interesting that like that didn't dissuade him at all, you know, like the, well, I mean, maybe
1: we don't even know if the pre ludinous version is the same lewdness we have now. Not that he was like body snatched, but if knowing what we know from that other source book about, um, the red minerals or crystals under, uh, whatever it's called, the uh... capital city,
0: yeah, uh on Correl.
1: Yeah, and how uh, it like cor- how it corrupts, you know, it, it could be that in this moment of communion, like he was forever changed, you know, and became sort of a champion of um Pradathos for lack of a better phrasing. because um, you're right, you would think beforehand you'd be like, This was crazy. Like um or I mean you know, maybe his hatred of the gods is just so strong that, you know, he's just stubborn.
0: Yeah, whatever it takes. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I guess, okay, so since we've touched down here, I guess let's just talk about the notes. Um, yeah, okay. So we're we're talking about the ruinous Ones, which w- another interesting thing from this section, I think... Is that it implies, and again, we don't know the the dates of when this is happening, but by virtue of the fact that he had to like research this at all, and wasn't like it was foreign to him, Ruutus, until he learned about it, and then you know he reached out. So to me, that says he clearly wasn't. Well, I guess we don't know what the people of Aeor knew back in the day, but to me, this puts him not in Aeor at least like as one of the people that was building the factorum malleus or else he presumably would have known more and wouldn't have had to like do I that see, research. I could see them being separately related, not necessarily
1: exclusive. Because that's fair. You could be creating the the factorum malleus because you hate the gods, you want to kill the gods, un unaware still of ruitus. Um and it almost felt like it almost felt like his notes were more like like why do the gods keep basically being like hey don't worry about the moon, it's evil. It's mm-hmm. like Ill, Ill omen, like and just becoming upset. Obs- like basically like I hate the gods so much I'm gonna do the opposite of what they say. <laughs> so if they're saying to avoid this, there must be they must be lying, there must be something about this. Right. You know, why would they even mention it? Um so it doesn't for me, it doesn't put me it doesn't put him out of Aeor. Um I'm still incredibly interested in his origin story because it came up again, his origin in Asilra. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really wondering where he came from and his what's the, what's the reason for his hatred
0: of the gods?
1: Yeah. And for, for me, Aeor is the easiest link for that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, I think even if he wasn't literally a scientist that worked on... The factorum malleus. He clearly was around in that era somewhat and saw what the gods did. Um maybe
1: he lost his maybe he was a kiddo, lost his parents or something. Yeah, maybe he was a kid you during know? that time. Um like saw firsthand the tragedy
0: of I don't know. Yeah. And maybe like maybe he was still around, but not necessarily like in Aeor, even. But maybe because right. you know, he was a contemporary yeah. of that time, he yeah, you know, knew what happened. Um which, by the way, I don't want to get—I don't want to get into this right
1: this second, but mm. it's hard because we have—we can't forget also the notes we got from the previous episode. Like these notes are in two different batches. We have also the previous notes on the Matron right. of Ravens, and I must find her name. And I don't—that's just interesting.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Um, and this could tangentially go into other things that I want to talk about, but I'm trying to like. I know. And I'm trying to like, compartmentalize for
1: now. Yeah. I'm
0: trying to like make some notes as we're talking just so that I don't
1: do that. Um, Um, This is is fun. This is a lot. (laughs) This is the first time in a long time where we've been like, I mean, we've always had lots of content to talk about where it's, it's just like, it's like, where do I even go from this conversation point? Yeah. You, you lead us though. Okay.
0: All right. Well, okay. So I think for that chunk of notes, I think I've, I've covered my thoughts. Anything else from, like, specifically the Ruidus, Malayus Power Source section of notes that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, from that, the third batch
0: specifically, or from all three? Just from that third batch. Um, no, I don't think I have anything else to say about it. <clears throat> okay, so, um, so th- there was that one, there was the Harness, and what was the other one? The other one was just him talking about
1: um, what I mentioned earlier, like the gods call it Okay. The Moonville Omen, what's going on, um, and ultimately wanting to commune with it in some way.
0: Okay. Well, that one I think I've pretty much covered too, but I'd be down yeah. to move toward the harness on I just know. I just really liked the
1: red end, which yeah. doesn't come in this section, but comes obviously later in the visions. But um such a cool I don't know. there was something, yeah, so atmospheric about it. Um Pradhos is a fine name. and I, I don't care, but um there was something that just was so much more incredibly foreboding about this. Um yeah, and sure. I guess I'll put a I guess we'll put a pin in that because I want to revisit those visions yeah. um later on. But um yeah the harness the harness I had trouble like visualizing. I think you <laughs> called it like a a vest that had like an open back that like flared up or flared open or something or yeah I, I'm not
0: sure. It was interesting. I've got several thoughts on it, um, which this was paired with the whole hit list, if you will, of the, the fay entities. Mm-hmm. So to me, the most, the easiest thing for me to grasp onto here is this device was something, you know, he was researching or, or whatever working on and it is potentially what enabled him to live such a long life. He was like, siphoning the power and energy from these fae things in order to be immortal essentially or functionally immortal, at least. Um, it also make, made me think, and I don't know, I don't know if there's a connection here, but it made me think of Odahan's backpack. Like if that was, mm. if this was maybe not necessarily like version two, cause I don't think like Odahan's she it's clearly used in different ways for her but maybe it was like the precursor, like offshoot of the technology or something. Mm, Um, Interesting. But yeah, so for my money, um, and I mean, it was pretty much spelled out as such. Um, Ludness had this, who knows if he invented it himself or how it came to be. Um, But all that talk about like every few years, we must feed the root. I don't know why he calls it the root, but to me, that's like, I got to go get more energy so that I can stay young. Oh, so you think the
1: hardest is the root? It makes it makes sense. I was trying to parse that and figure out like, well, what is the root that he's referring to? so yeah, that that makes sense,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know if, like I'm not necessarily literally saying that like he called the harness the root, but like the concept of like this process he was doing, I don't know yeah. why he referred to it as the root, but well, and we
1: had been theorizing he was manipulating his lifespan in some way. I think what we had thrown out before was like messing with like Lux and beacons that he was obsessed with. um. This, it seems like that theory is correct in the sense of like his lifespan, but through this device or item rather than um, a beacon. Yeah. Um, I was a bit lost in the details. Did they not try to identify it? Like, why were they able to identify the other things, but not this exactly?
0: I'm not sure. I know that, that um, at least in FCG's case, they can only identify one thing a day. I don't remember if that was in play or not, or maybe like sometimes you can just like sit down and attune with an item to like have a better understanding of it. Yeah, I kind of was I don't I wasn't paying attention specifically to know why they didn't get further than they did with that. But maybe it was even just like a, a DM discretion thing. Like if this is some yeah. kind of weird homebrewed, um, I don't mean homebrewed mechanically, yeah. but like lewdness, like homebrewed this Thing. Yeah. maybe they just like can't learn to it is my literal pet peeve
1: when they don't read out the oh, item bro. descriptions of items I'm <laughs> oh it's like, such a tease Guys. man I'm like please just tell us what it is and we had the staff of dark odyssey uh the you know the planes whatever thing um I forgot to mention this in the recap but FCG his coin yeah. seemingly became magical became a magical item which is a nice cool little detail um or maybe always was but didn't realize until Matt you know gave it to him gave him these description but just listening to sam be like oh wow this is really cool and like the nothing beyond that i'm just like guys please come on
0: yeah you gotta they've, you gotta tell us what it is they've kind of always done that but matt used to like post them on twitter eventually or at some point yeah um I, but we'll we'll slowly find out but they've always kind of kept that to the chest because sometimes they don't even like tell the other players because they want it to be like a reveal when they use it Mm. Um, but I, I feel the same way. It's just like, I want to know. Um, well, my thought on the harness was even like, if this is something
1: of like crazy power. Could this, could this be a vestige? But then I thought, well, Lunas wouldn't leave it. You know, like, like why doesn't he have this item? Like why? Yeah. I mean, people have come back to molest you know, like looters or what have you. So like, why didn't he return to like, Hey, just popping in to grab this real quick. You know, see you later, yeah. slime guy you know so i'm i'm'm sure I'm sure it couldn't be a vestige in something maybe I guess more like magically or also like man made in some way and maybe the backpack that you mentioned is something like that um but yeah
0: yeah I Very don't think curious. it's I don't think it's a vestige if for no other reason than like I don't think Ludinus would use like a a divine item in that way you know like just on principle even mm-hmm. um but that that same thing resonated with me. Why is this here? Like, especially yeah. if if what I just speculated was true, and that this thing is what is granting him eternal youthfulness, which not that he's young, but you know what I mean. Um, why would you leave that behind? Like, maybe maybe
1: he didn't need it anymore.
0: You know, maybe the maybe maybe the, both theories
1: are true. Like, he used this, and then he just he found out about Lux and Beacons. And was like, oh, this is a better way, this is an easier hmm. way. Or or maybe he, you know, created a permanent solution. He drank a vial and now he's forever young. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But the only explanation I can think of is that he has in a scary way iterated on it and progressed yeah. past it to no longer need it. Because certainly it's probably, you know, cumbersome to have to like every few years go kill a bunch of powerful fae. <laughs> yeah. You know, and presumably consume their essence. I don't I don't know what's being implied other than that, but um but yeah.
0: Yeah, I I like that idea that this was he, he's found something else, if not just a new version of this and this was, you know, the prototype or something. Um but yeah, it seems like a very powerful. It I mean, I guess we still don't truly even know what it does necessarily, but if what it does If it does what we think it does, it still just seems kind of crazy to leave it behind um, Mm. when he seemingly could have gone back to get it pretty easily. Um, But yeah, I I haven't had a chance since the episode, again, was less than 24 hours ago. I haven't had a chance to go like dive into the to the lore to see if I could um, pinpoint any entities that because Matt listed a few of the specific locations that were marked on the map. Uh, like I recall the Ashkeeper Peaks and the Flopket uh, Alps um, right. were two of them um, and nothing immediately sprang to mind. But also, you know, that's not. I don't have it all memorized. So um, if anybody down in the comments does, can think of any like known Fae entities in any of the places that were mentioned, I'd love to, to hear about them. Um, But I did then like the connection of the reason that Tuning Fork to the Feywild was in there is because uh, he was needed to move on because he kind of wiped his current slate out. He's like, okay, maybe I go to the Fey to get more of these power sources, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, was Morgan going to be on that list? If so.
1: Was she complicit
0: in it even?
1: Was she aware of it? I mean, I don't know. I still think there's more to Maury than we've gotten. Um,
0: Certainly. I don't
1: think it's necessarily to that extent. I think she probably would mention like, Hey, by the way, (laughs) this guy's a fate eater. Um, (laughs) It's a bad group, but um, I just, I just feel like there's something there knowing that knowing the relationship between Morrigan and Fern's parents and the deal that was made the fact that Morgan has a history with the Nightmare King and that the Nightmare King worked for lewdness in creating the first version of the Malleus Key. Right. Um, some very close connections here, even if they're not explicit. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty curious about that.
0: Me too. And maybe if the Nightmare King had gotten a little too attitude-y, would have harnessed him. <laughs> Next, yeah, you're next on the list. Yeah, um, right. Not that the the Nightmare King is like an archfey or anything, but he is. We don't really know his story, but he's Fey esque.
1: Yeah. Um, everyone has a story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I thought I thought all that was fascinating though, and I did like the uh, potential explanation for you know his his old old age. Mm. Um. All right. Uh sorry, I'm just reading my notes. Anything else on this section? No. I don't okay. think so. I don't think so either. Um <clears throat> Oh wait, I don't remember Okay, I don't remember if this was from those notes or not. If it wasn't, you'll have to remind me where they were from. But one thing I have written down um is about this ancient primordial that wasn't oh, sundered during the founding. Yes. Right. Was that from his notes?
1: Yes. Okay. This is from the second batch of notes. Um,
0: what's up with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I don't know. You know, is this is this just another of his many of his of his vast research in order to do something about the gods was ancient primordial just one potentiality or is this like roped into the current plan as well? is the things that made me think of um one was calamity but it's he's not referring to either of those because uh the founding would have been way before that so this was like the initial um or one of the initial like events of the universe so um could this at all be related to the um elemental surges of power that have kind of popped up a couple times like in EXU the Ono Plateau this energy from presumably another plane. Um mm. and then there's the attack that happened beneath the Earth Ashari, um, that I right. think was played off as a distraction to to weaken Keelith, but there could have also been a double right. Could have been more than that. So right. I wonder if the the Ono Plateau and whatever's going on with the elemental planes could be related to this ancient primordial.
1: I and like that so, like, a lot. What's,
0: what's the plan with it? Like, I, you know, I don't know.
1: Well, I would notably hate the gods as much as Ludinus would, I assume. True. And I think it's, I think it's safe to assume that it, it's just for anyone who's wondering, I think it's safe to assume it's also not Ruidus. Um, yeah, I don't Ruidus, think so. Ruidus has been described as um, something alien, something that came to Exandria, um, which, whereas the primordials were already, on Alexandria when the deities showed up. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And it's it was such a subtle massive drop. Um that it's like, is this a breadcrumb for like a future one shot or like future content? Or is this part of lewdness's today plan? Um, which if they're already dealing with big red <laughs> I'm like, surely they can't also deal with the primordial.
0: Um, so I, don't I know. yeah, I don't either. Because yeah, so I'm, like, I guess who knows? But but like, maybe he's just you know shotgunning all like all the different things he can against the gods. Um, yeah, that that certainly pinged for me, and it made me very curious. But I guess I don't have too much else to say about it. Yeah. Um okay. So I guess I've got a couple of like random things, and then there's two well, there's let's see, there's okay, there's like three big things to talk about still for my notes, and then just like a couple of random things. Um is there anything specific you want to hit on next? Talk about Frida. Okay, yeah, the whole mind dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Frida's from Aeor, mm-hmm. and was protecting the creator hammer. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, we get an interesting, we this has already been kind of revealed, but just more confirmation that they and FCG have a spirit, have a soul of mm-hmm. some kind. I think Matt, the terminology was like lifting out, uh, like the spiritual version of themselves or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was a nice little detail.
0: Yeah. Um, so I don't, I feel like we can't like definitively parse this because we don't necessarily know what everyone knew. Um, but the fact that Frida was defending the creator hammer. Unless, I mean, from what we know, it was a God, it was a God killer. Now, does that mean its only purpose was to free Perdathos? Not necessarily like that's what Ludinus is using his, you know, uh, his Malleus key for in this day and age. Um, But presumably, at least that was part of its function, because that's how Ludinus got to where he got Mm -hmm. today. Um, but Matt made a big point of describing like how immense this was and how there was like tons of wizards and scientists and engineers. Like this was like, I think he used the words, like, this is a structure of an immensity you've never seen before. Mm. Um, so like, what did that one, surely it didn't just do the exact same thing that we saw Ludinus do in, in Marquette with. You know, even though that tower was big and it's drilling a hole, it didn't give me the same impression of what Matt was describing. So like, it's giving
1: me the impression of like a massive blow root is in half is the impression I got from it. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I don't envision it being. I think of like, what do you use a hammer for? And I think about like cracking open an egg. I'm just thinking about like the phrasing that Matt used. Like, why does he call it the use a hammer? hammer to open your eggs? Yeah, man, don't you? <laughs> well, but I mean, if you want to like, in like without question, crack this thing open. Yeah. Um, I do think the tie-in to Calamity is that first episode comments about the weapon from Aor. I think it's pretty clear this is that, um, them wanting to test it on like on a nearby city or something. I don't know if the intention was to like aim it, for lack of a better term, like at a god like walking on. Alexandria and to like shoot them. Mm-hmm. I think since Ludinus clearly took inspiration of this to create the Malleus keys, it I think Aeor was aware of pradathos in some way. Seems, um, yeah, it seems
0: to be the case.
1: The question for I have is I always envisioned it because the way that the lore's been described is like the fight the infighting and calamity, they they put a pause on it and they're like, Hey, let's go get that guy. Let's go kill Aeor. The guy and I didn't env- Yeah, I vision all the gods basically like descending on Aeor and destroying it. This, I mean, I think it was described almost like a coup or something to that effect or infighting, I guess. I wonder if people begin to realize the implications of freeing Pradathos and people who are like the gods would be no more. And that was like the, like, well, I don't like that. I don't want that to happen. And that is then what caused the rebellion, for lack of a better term. Um, I don't know. I have no idea, but
0: yeah, it's kind of where my mind's going. I think, I think both things can be true. Cause I was wondering this too, because we did get the impression that like the gods found out what was going on and smite, smited it, smote, you know, from the sky basically. Um, Which, you know, doesn't really add up for why there would be like an internal coup within the city, but maybe, maybe everybody wasn't on the same page. Like maybe, you know, I'm sure just like it is in our current era um, there's two sides. Like, do we get rid of the gods? Do we keep the gods? So I wonder if this, this fact, this creator hammer was even like somewhat of a secret plan. And then maybe whatever powers that be found out. And they're like, no, we got to stop that. Like you're, Maybe they even knew that like if the gods find out about this, they're going to kill all of us. Like Mm. maybe it was like that type of thing where there's like two factions within the city. Or, I mean,
1: again, following the slight implication that the, the prime deities aren't like the super benevolent. We do everything for people. uh, Characterizations that we've seen Maybe it was even so much of what we saw in the second part of this episode where free uh, not Frida, uh, FCG and Deanna especially were basically like, Hey, go do this. Like I'm commanding you. Like maybe something like that also happened with their followers where they were like, Hey, in your town, hey, your neighbors up to no good, like get over there. You yeah. know um I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't either. I think that I think I think that's plausible that like that that was the gods acting through those people in the city. Um, But I'm leaning that this was a separate encounter. And then the gods themselves did still destroy the city. So maybe they, I guess both could be true in that they were like, Hey, take care of this or we will. And they didn't. So then the gods did. But the fact that Matt included that little like snippet of how D found him, just like everything was ruin you Mm -hmm. know and he had to be brought back to me that is kind of like a alluding to the fact that the gods did strike this city down and not just the infighting led to such destruction and
1: is it the do you think the implication is that in that moment is when it happened like when it all just surged to white or was that the end of his memory
0: that that i don't know Mm. it's a good question But I would say that it's not necessarily in that moment, since that memory did kind of jump around several times. Um, but I don't know.
1: I was so annoyed that the rolls were so low. Yeah. Because, you know, Matt even said, how do you feel like you missed something? And he was just like, I know. And these characters are presumably leaving at some point. Now I don't know when they're leaving, but yeah, I mean. Are we going to get another interaction where you know, they dig in and see more. Or...
0: I think if, if they're not gone, which I don't think they are, we'll talk more about that. Uh, later. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay. So not to parse this a little bit, so we have Frida in Aor protecting the Malleus key. Again, we don't know what people knew, Back to but
1: our Malleus. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Sorry. Um, we don't know what people knew, but it's safe to say they, at least the people defending it had a general idea of what the thing was, like a god killer. So Frida then, therefore, unless they didn't have agency, but that doesn't seem to be the case um, with Aormatons back then, um, was team kill the gods. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that's going to have any type of impact if we do continue with you know christian and Apriya like is that gonna is there gonna be any drama there like you know like good now good i'm on the right other up. side you no? know well yeah. i mean
1: his or excuse me their uh um source of affection fcg has just been commanded to go save the gods yeah no, and as well as their best friend
0: deanna right so, so i feel like that's a that's an interesting dynamic Potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, and you just mentioned how there were roles that didn't go well. So we're missing pieces here, but the most interesting piece that we didn't get any clarity on uh, for my money is the whole child thing. Cause we had yeah in the dream, uh, not in this episode, but when FCG and uh, Frida shared a dream, there was the whole child that like appeared mm-hmm. um, by Frida and there was no Which, at the time thought
1: this was like a I thought this was just some kind of child version of Frida, but now that they've been placed back in Aeor, I'm thinking that's not the case.
0: I don't know what to make of it. I think that still could be the case, but we didn't get any like evidence pointing towards it at least. Because um, we, you know, we also posited that if Frida was similar to FCG and was like a sleeper agent. Maybe that boy was part of the family that they infiltrated, but that doesn't seem to be the case either. Frida just seems to be like a actual defense robot or whatever that right, was right. working for that faction or, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, So then it either is, you know, if Amritons at one point were humans, maybe that was Frida's human form. Um, But then right. tying into something you said earlier um about lewdness what if he was just a kid back then
1: that's interesting so is
0: there like what if frida like was guarding lewdness or something and you know that's could explain what his hatred for um you know Uh, frida being on team malleus key would make sense if Ludinus's parents or something were on team Mal- or I keep saying Mali's key, but or
1: Ludnus's parents were like key scientists on the project.
0: Yeah. So, I mean there's no basis to this at all, but we didn't get any answers, so I don't I don't know what to make of it. Sure.
1: The fact that this child description keeps popping up is it, where I go with it there there is a child character. If it's either it's Frida mm. or it's someone else. And if it's someone else, it it seems like it would have to be a key character, not, you know, oh, this is Sharon. You'll meet her in episode 85. And I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it just, it feels like it would have to be an important character. And Ludinus is the easy connection there, which is, which would be wild. Ludinus should have done a better job killing off everyone that they'd ever spoken to.
0: (laughs) So. But yeah, it's it's interesting that um because if it, if it was lewdness, then maybe there's some sort of like trauma memory blocker because these other things have triggered memories for Frida like Laren and the other names and just the details that were mentioned in these last two episodes, um and lewdness thus far hasn't triggered anything, um yeah. Good point. But uh, what's interesting is um. Christian slash Frida's hyper fixation on the name Laren to kind of lead into this memory dive, which I mean, on a, above the table level makes sense. It's the mm-hmm. character Abria played. And it's also the only one that any of us as watchers have a reference to. Um, But what doesn't piece together for me is that Laren wasn't from me she wasn't working right. on this project. She was from right. Avalier. Yes. Right. So it's- h- how did Frida know that name?
1: yeah there's a weird yeah there's a weird thing there where it's like is it something or is it a above the board like shoe in like yeah. a forced connection that like is illogical and I don't I don't know the answer um, but some of those things can create like really creative moments um, yeah. so it could be that maybe it was a forced above the board thing but that Matt's gonna you know I think every great DM is like picks up on something they're like okay we're gonna turn that into something so
0: yeah but you know Mm -hmm. i could also see it definitely being an an intentional thing though especially with especially with the type of player christian seems to be and especially the integral role that frida has like in this story being (laughs) from that time um i could see it being more than just a a, above the table like oh i want to have a connection here um which one possible, like, line between them, we do at least know, like you mentioned in Calamity, that this was talked about, like, uh, Aeor has this weapon, and there were spies, shout out Bolo, um, yeah. <laughs> that were spying on avalier maybe, like, maybe Laren's who was a genius and was making, you know, the astral laywright and all these things, maybe her research, her knowledge was if not given, stolen and used as part of the factorum.
1: Didn't Brennan come out and say like Bolo in his mind was a spy, like was stealing? I think so. And that like she survived. Yeah. Uh, I says, watched the interview where he talked about said basically as much. Um, yeah. And I, I'm i a little distracted because we're trying to figure out pizza plants <laughs> for tonight. And she said, SOS, <laughs> I need to know pizza.
0: Oh, no worries. Um,
1: yeah, um, but I'm waiting for her to respond. But yeah, I, 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 I almost like wonder, like how do we get more of this content though? Like I'm wondering like, is this are we getting teed up for like a side story? Or like, it's like it, it created so many more questions that I'm like, I don't know.
0: Calamity part two and it's about the fall of Aeor. Maybe. I don't know. That'd be crazy. And Christian comes back and plays Frida again.
1: <clears throat> I'd be, be cool. down with that. I'd also uh, would like someone to play Lewdness, you know? The anti-hero from the start, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think Lewdness has a really cool story. Um, a really compelling villain. Um yeah, so I did see, I haven't read much, but I did see
1: a Reddit comment. Um, someone, and I apologize, I can't give credit to the person because it was just in passing, but the person basically said, um, to date, this might be the best villain we've had in CR so far. And they said, um, specifically, the uh, villain Vecna was, you know, amazing. And then they said someone from CR, from Campaign 2 that I don't remember, but they're like, but this, you know, seeing all of, like, what's been building up with lewdness has made him... Which I didn't resonate with because I didn't watch I didn't watch the first two campaigns, but I was curious your thoughts like getting these kind of details like your thoughts about lewdness as a villain and how he lines up and so i'm glad you brought that up
0: yeah i think again i guess there could be like a rug pull you know of like and i don't expect there to be but i'm I'm saying it's still possible that we don't really know his full plans and stuff and as such maybe my opinion would change but um Right now, I think he's a really compelling villain that like, which I think the best villains are ones that like you can kind of see their side a bit, you know, like, right. you know, he might have a point in this world that. The gods aren't what they've been cracked up to be, and maybe everybody would be better off without their puppeteering. Um, I, I think there's something to that, by the way,
1: and I mentioned as much last episode and that I'm getting I'm getting big Greek gods. Vibes, in that, and I said this for you guys who maybe didn't catch our last episode. I think kind of how I saw it in Legend of Ox machina or even kind of where I, my mind had gone was, um or even in a little bit in Calamity, like these sort of puristic deities who are benevolent and altruistic in what have you. And Campaign Three has definitely shaped that and, and moved me a little bit away from that even to the point of these visions given to FCG and Deanna where I actually found myself thinking like it was a really, but which by the way, these visions were awesome. They were like the epic. Here is the quest. Like here's your quest. And I I felt like the epicness of it. But then there's this other part of me that. I was like, are you guys being manipulated? Like, are they, is Deanna FCG being manipulated? Um, I don't know, I don't know even where I'm getting, going with this sentence, but just like, because um, I think you had just said, like, maybe the gods aren't as they seem or something like that. But
0: yeah, I just think that I'm not saying like I'm team lewdness, but I'm just saying that's what makes a compelling villain is that, like, they do kind of have a daddy, point, bro. you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, right, I.
1: I'm not to distract us, but I am while we're talking and sorry for you
0: guys. I have to order a pizza while we're talking. (laughs) Where are you getting it from?
1: I was going to ask you. And we're doing a little Pizza Hut or Domino's.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I haven't had Pizza Hut and I couldn't tell you how long.
1: Pizza Hut's pretty delicious, man. Oh, they have a cheesesteak pizza. I just need to know how fat I want to go tonight. Mm, You should go. Fat, fat. You think so?
0: Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. You're going to have a little Diablo 4 beta night.
1: Yeah, dude, just a game night. Okay. All
0: right. Sorry. I'm,
1: I'm just gonna be like clicking on a couple options here while we're chatting. Um, no, you,
0: you're good. I'm still listening. Um, so just to, I guess, to wrap up that section is yes, I think he's a, a very compelling villain and I, I like it a lot so far. Um, and it's also just, you know, Ludinus wasn't a felt presence in campaign one and was had appearances in campaign two, but not really, it wasn't really like a, a felt presence in campaign was, two either. Was
1: Ludens mentioned in campaign one?
0: I don't think so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the party
1: may have said this also that, or maybe this was the same Reddit comment, I don't remember. Um, but it was like, I just thought Ludens was just like some douchey mage, and <laughs> turns out he's like super evil. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, but. uh, but given his story in campaign three, obviously those machinations were in play in yeah. campaign one, even pre campaign one, very right. way pre campaign one. So I think that's also not entirely fair to compare the villains. Cause this is almost like, he's almost like a villain of all of critical role, not just campaign yeah. three, you know? Yeah. Um, which again, you know, depending on what happens here, this could, it could kind of be a, a the, the end game, the Avengers end game of critical role before they launch into phase two, you know, um, the end of a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So especially, which I don't want to, I guess it's it's maybe more on this later, but end of a trilogy where, you know, characters from the first two are bringing Bob back in. We kind of got to gather the Avengers, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe get, get these other players coming back. Um, It has a lot of those types of qualities. It really does, and
1: um, man, it kind of makes me wish I'd really, you know, watched campaigns one and two because this, I, I can feel the sense of epicness building, especially in this last episode. That I'm jealous that you probably, you know, have really enjoyed as well. But, um, but yeah,
0: yeah, it's uh, and it's never too late,
1: you know. Um, well, now we got so much other stuff. With yeah, true. Ravening War and uh, Wizard Witch and the Wild One. Um, I'm going to Dinner Box, by the way. Dinner Box? Let's go a couple of pizzas.
0: couple of Zahs?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Anything else on the Frida Mind Dive?
1: I... No, other than just a comment of, like... I just really wish he had rolled higher. Um, but also the decision pressing forward or turning back. And that was such a 50, 50 decision there. Mm. And I'm just so curious if they had pressed forward, what they would have found. Yeah. So.
0: Same. Okay. Um, knock out a couple of quick things which we basically already talked about a little bit um but the items so you know fcg got that new coin which very curious about um mm-hmm. chet got the temporal uh, salvation ring which that is a known which, item
1: yeah um ring of temporal salvation
0: yeah it basically it's like a if you die oh. you, you don't die type of type of ability
1: so a freebie if travis rolls poorly one morning <laughs> that would be
0: hilarious if that's how it got used
1: <laughs> actually i actually wondered if he would have died in that uh after the sex capade. you know <laughs> yeah. like i think he was ready like just like okay here we go um but anyhow
0: which you know that's something we I think it was our last episode, maybe two ago, we were talking about the whole Travis rolling every morning to see if he lives. And if there was maybe more to it than that, given this episode, it seems like that's just what it is. Cause like, unless, unless Matt and Travis were both being like real, like clever and holding that tight to the chest, because even Matt was like, even commented on like, I don't remember what they said, but it was like, that would have been a way to go or something like, every comment about it make, makes it seem like, no, he's literally just rolling to see if he dies every morning. Right. Um, but yeah, so the ring, if, if you die while wearing it, it like teleports you, I think like somewhere like five feet around you uh, or something like that. And you're not dead, obviously um, heals you. And I think you even, um, Oh, it can remove exhaustion if you have any, but once it's used, it's gone. Which I also just thought this was, one, a cool moment, but two, what a like fitting magical gift to give from someone who has died and was brought back.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Um, for sure. And then the staff, which, again, we don't really know that much about, but we at least know that it can teleport, which is...
1: I, I, and I don't know if I misrepresented this when I said this, um, cause I said it's kind of like the ring of spell storing. Cause I feel like that w- what was said was that other spells could be stored and that it wasn't just teleport, but yeah, but also I don't, just, it, go ahead. I was gonna say it being called the, um, staff of dark odyssey. I mean, it feels like there's something else to it also. Um, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't think you like will store spells in it, but, so it has eight charges and we know six can be used to cast teleport there's probably two or other things that can be done that like maybe you know the misty step can be cast for two charges and you know yeah. so there's probably a list of three or four spells including teleport that each require a different amount of charges and you know it's up to your discretion each day to how do you want to use them and yeah, I'm assuming either all come back in the morning or maybe like you roll a D8 and that many come back or something each morning. Um, but yeah, I just thought um, we, we've we been kind of wondering how everyone's going to come back together. And Matt has now given them the ability to teleport so that they did as much in the episode. So obviously that's how they're coming back together. But um, since that's something we were wondering about, um, there we go. We now have a way. Uh, which even beyond this arc, if there is a beyond this arc, that opens up the world for Bell's Hells to, you know, travel much more cleanly and quickly wherever they need to go. Um, well, I feel like this
1: had to happen eventually, like them getting like a means of teleportation. Um, I like how it happened, I guess. Um, especially since the, um, Airship was destroyed, right. you know. Yeah, um, which I'm wondering what happened to Captain Zandis now. All of a sudden, yeah.
0: But, I mean, he got out safely, but didn't they have teleportation
1: in Campaign One?
0: Um, yes, Or did. Yeah, Keylift have... could, you know, okay. t- teleport via the trees, like you, you see in Dox Machina And
1: well, does it ever feel, um, not ch- I guess cheap? Like, does it ever feel like just crazy fast traveling or
0: I don't think so. I think it works in like the evolution of the story. You know, like you start out these low level people, you got to take the two week journey to go from point A to B, but as you get more powerful, they, you know, if not teleportation, they open up other avenues of travel. It feels like it, it meshes and fits for me at least. Um, yeah. Okay. Just like the natural progression of the story. Um You know, okay. it's super strong heroes. It doesn't, you know, not, befitting for them to take a 12 day trek um i don't know so it, yeah, it works for I, me but i could see some people maybe feeling that way i think i think it is you make a good point because like in my D
1: campaign i have a dnd campaign by the way um <laughs> they just did like a 15 day journey and i feel like 45 minutes was like all right, now you're... Uh... I mean, it's just me needing to be a better DM, I guess. Um, but it was definitely like, all right, there's another day's travel, knocked out. You know? Yeah. Um, which yeah, i sure all... I could have just, you know, skipped it, but but yeah.
0: You know, there's. it's also fun to have some of that in the campaign, but then, like, once you've done it X amount of times, like, it's yeah. just, all right, let me roll on the... Roll for today, see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, but so, actually... It's, Speaking on the teleport, since we're kind of talking about it right now, um, they didn't seem as nervous as I would have been by teleporting, given all the craziness that's going on in the world, and the fact that in Uthodern they literally were told, like, "Yeah, we sent people out. Like, some people teleported out to find out what's happening. We haven't heard from them, and they haven't come back." <laughs> but, yeah, why aren't they concerned about the fact that people that no one's come back? I don't know. Like, you know, maybe they just aren't thinking about it too much. Or, you know, I, I don't know, but um clearly at the end of the episode we had the, the die roll, um, and they cruelly, you know, teased us with it. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what happens, but yeah, I'm assuming they might not end up in Drusar. Um or at the at the very least, maybe there's a convenient party split where like Frida and Deanna don't end up with them. You know, yeah, like because I, I, of the wild magic.
1: I have been trying to figure that out because there is this like kind of unspoken weird energy around. I mean, it actually even had like Firma's like, no, you're going to stay with us forever. Cause they even, they even kind of opted themselves out, like, well, I guess maybe we should kind of go do our own thing. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw Matt just go, like, okay. <laughs> so it, it does feel like this wild magic. Like everyone appears except conveniently. Deanna and Frida aren't here. Where are they? We don't know. Like it kind of feels like that has to be what happens next. Cause also the impression I got was that we're continuing this group next episode.
0: Yeah. I thought that too. Um, but then, um, in the Discord, I think it was, I think it was Glim, but I don't, I don't remember 100%. It was like what if that's just the cliffhanger for 4 months and we shift to the other group and like we don't know what what would what, what we don't want that teleport until we finish yeah. with the other well, group now.
1: I think it's because they actually said um sorry this is like taking forever to get this order in <laughs> by the way. Um the only thing I think about is the um Matt's phrasing was something like um like go ahead and roll and or it was like, you know, you'd cast a spell and we'll find out what happens uh, next time. Yeah. Like what like, language yeah. which to me. To me, was a little interesting considering if it was just like, who knows then? But I don't know.
0: Yeah, agreed. And they're also it did feel like Christian giving Sam the hoodie kind of felt like this is my last episode energy. I, yeah. But then. If that was the case. I would have imagined like some sort of like on air mention or send off of being like oh you know Abria and Christian like thank you so much for you know maybe they didn't maybe they don't want to do that for like spoiler reasons given like the you mm. know high stakes of everything that's going on compared to like a normal guest exit um, right so so I don't know I don't know how like what to expect because it. All that aside, it does seem like a clean place to shift now, back to the other group. Um, right. So I don't, I don't know, um, which, you know, or presumably we're gonna pick up with the other group, back in the past, you know, two weeks or whatever ago, um, and it'll just be, I don't know, it's just gonna be interesting because. We know they're alive, which we, mo- I mean, they're obviously alive, but.
1: Which, but that was, even that was kind of like, because they, because the change beaver said that does now, does that now remove like the teeth of any combat that the other group
0: faces? See, that's what I, that's kind of what I was wondering too, but I, I don't think so. I mean, that was kind of in a, in a box there, right? Either they've already been playing concurrently and so Matt actually right. knows that they survived. Ah, that's But I'm not yeah. saying that's the case or it's just like a hmm. let's say they he didn't know and they do play and somebody dies somehow. Yeah. I think there could still be like a you know, just the the vagueness of are my friends okay, you know. Yeah. You you could get around it being like, yeah, like they're okay now or like I don't know but it was yeah, interesting. They're in nonetheless. They're okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're with us. <laughs> they're right here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're here with us. They're great. <laughs> uh, so,
0: yeah. Um, um,
1: it, it is a bit odd though. I guess, honestly, if we come back to them, to them, the same group next episode, I am honestly lost as to how long this arc is going to go not in a negative way. Like this last episode, I really enjoyed it. And like joy came in at one point and was like, well, wait, wait, who are these two people? Like, why, why is Abria here? Um, cause she's been listening to worlds beyond with me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and they, you know, they got separated and she was like, Oh, is that just like for an episode? And I was like, it's been like over two months. <laughs> and she's like, well, where's everybody else? And I was like, uh, well, we don't know. We and wish we so, knew. Yeah. And so if, if, if it turns out, um, Next episode is still this group. I I am literally lost as to because surely we don't we are we know we're not coming. We know we're getting the other group with guest characters. Hasn't that been confirmed? Yeah. So like they wouldn't they would show up in Jusar and like the group's there and like oh we all huddle up in the, t- the big table together. Yeah, I like that.
0: that doesn't seem to be the case. And also like I don't think they're gonna be in Jusar. I mean, maybe they right. end up there, I guess, but clearly they're not there at the point of the whatever um, when everything went down. Right. So, like, I think it would be too clean if they just, you know, happened to also be there already. So but so maybe if we get so if we do get another episode with this group, I do not expect them to run into the rest of the cast. So like, so maybe we do get another episode with them and it's like a, a wind down episode and it ends with them waiting in Drusar for their friends type of moment or something. Yeah. Uh. So I'm guessing it's either that or it's the new group next week.
1: What if they go to Drusar and Drusar is like it's gone? Yeah, like in ruin or <laughs> something.
0: I actually I hadn't even considered this, but I would love to see Drusar right now, and just the with the the anti magic effect that's been happening. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking,
1: yeah, since we we know it was already a bit wild with um, Uthadurn, Yeah, I'm like, what could be happening here?
0: Yeah. Plus all which I don't think they're too relevant in the current circumstances, but plus all of the question marks we had about Drusar. Uh, before we got into the whole solstice arc of Mm -hmm. you know the broomstone and which some of that is is tied to the to the um or a lot of it rather is tied to the solstice arc if you will um but yeah i just would be very interested to see yeah um oh man okay so there's just a couple more things, um, which we kind of have, have started talking about it. But the the gods, I'm,
1: still, I'm also still working. Apologize. No, it's like I click a button and I have to wait like two minutes before it updates. <laughs> I beat the Why is your website trash? Like, this is crazy. All right. Sorry. Continue. All
0: right. Well, if let me do the, the uh, less in the. We'll hold that off on that one and I'll do something else while you're still. Okay. Yeah, because I I like
1: almost have it on here. I have the first pizza added. The second one <laughs> will not add. It just says loading product, <laughs> and I'm like, just let me add the pizza. About to send
0: you to Domino's pretty soon. Pretty close. Yeah. I mean, all right. So the chutney reveal at the end of the episode. Yes, dude. The RTA being the Rexum Tr- Rexentrum Toy Authority. Yes. Yes. Um, which somebody brought up in the discord while we were watching live. Um, at one point, Travis said something along the lines of, I, I don't remember exactly, but they were talking about like the Service assembly and stuff. And Travis made a comment about like, yeah, they weren't like, he made some comment and somebody in the discord like, was like, wait, did Travis just say that Chetney's worked with the service assembly before? And I was like, I'm not sure what the context of that was, but now yes. in light of what, was revealed at the end of the episode. Um, That is true. Uh, Chetney, uh, he even made a comment about like lewdness, not like being cheap or or something. Um, But he, and this, this has an even deeper tie in to critical role lore that you maybe may or may not have picked up on having not seen the earlier two campaigns. Um, But his comment about like engraving chairs so that they uh, become,
1: I thought he was talking about the the animated chairs at the start of campaign three.
0: I think, I think there is a tie in there and I don't, I I was wondering if he was saying that, well, I guess he wasn't saying in the moment necessarily, but I was wondering if the implication was that he was the one that caused that in episode one or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if he was, or wasn't, you know, he made the comment about engraving initials and chairs to, like assassinate or something or I don't know, maybe that's probably taking it too far, but I can't remember exactly what he said. Um, but, (laughs) and if you, um, if you watched my, I think it was episode 12 breakdown of season two. I talk about the chair and there's like a whole segment on the chair, which in campaign two, uh, this is, this is basically spoiler free. Um, But in campaign two, there was this part where they come into a room and they're investigating it and there's a chair in the center of the room and they hyper fixate on the chair. Like all of them are rolling investigation checks being like, what's with this chair? And Matt's like, it's just a chair. (laughs) And it like became a meme because they were like so focused on it. And it was literally just a chair. Like they just it was just a thing. So Chetney saying that, you know, this was a thing that they did. I think is tying back to the deep chair lore and is now saying that in campaign two, that wasn't just a chair. It was a now defunct Chetney chair that had you know, been animated, but now was no longer. Nice. Um, so I got a real kick out of that. And if you didn't watch the, the campaigns um, or the earlier campaigns, I mean, and you're curious about this chair moment. Uh, like I said, there's a, it's in my episode 12 breakdown, but I also made a standalone TikTok of just the chair lore and I'll I'll put the link to that like in the description or something for anyone that wants to see it. It's really good. Um <clears throat> but now, that all aside, I think that kind of um fixes isn't the right word, but fixes some of the discrepancies that were there for me with how Chetney was acting and the Altgar situation. Um I think knowing about this Rexum from toy authority that like made these malicious items, if you will, um, kind of fills in some of those gaps.
1: I do still feel like there's something more. Um okay, this stupid order is filled, dude. That <laughs> took that took so long. Jeez. I had to open up Firefox because it wasn't working on Chrome. I still feel like there's something more with Oldgar, but I'm also
0: satisfied if we never come back to it. So it did like maybe maybe Oldgar is was is also or was also part of the RTA or something, but it at least it at least gives me an explanation for kind of the the sinister or dark implications that were kind mm-hmm. of laying in the backstory. Um which I I don't know how much of that is is like hard canon. I mean I suppose it is because Travis you know said it said it was, but you know, I don't think Matt didn't have i I highly doubt Matt and he him sat down and talked about the chair thing uh because <laughs> Matt's reaction when he was saying that you know pretty much said it all um but excellent moment, and I do I'm glad we know the true meaning of r t a since that was yeah. one thing we were talking about, yeah, um all right, pizza done. This is done. Sorry all for right. that, and sorry
1: for. I think it's kind of annoying to like be watching a talk show and someone's obviously <laughs> distracted. So sorry for that. My wife gave me the SOS. We have to get food for the kids <laughs> now. <laughs> You're good. So. Anyway, yeah,
0: all done. Um, so the last, the last like main thing I want to talk about, which we've already kind of touched on, is this moment with the gods at the end. Um, kind of, you know it's happening now and like cuz this is something we've been wondering about throughout this saga is like if there really is this threat of like a god killer why are they not like on this like why yeah. how come pike doesn't know about this how come you know sarah ray hasn't alerted her and why aren't these champions like gathering to prevent this um so to me the answer is the gods either didn't take the threat seriously or just didn't know about it but now they do and mm. now that they do they are calling to action quite literally we have um one of the most like straightforward not like subtlety of the gods communication like no you're teleported right in front of me and i'm telling you what to do like
1: yeah extremely overt because i think that was funny enough that was actually one of the criticisms of exu was how abria characterized um the Wild Mother? Lolf. No, Lolf. Oh. oh yeah, no, I think the Wild Mother. I can't remember which one actually. Both,
0: well both, really.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, Matt never Matt never has the gods communicate in that way. It's always like subtle, like the wind blows. And yeah. And clearly Matt's comfortable with it doing it when it calls for it because that's like I think you're spot on. We had in an extremely overt way, the Don Father literally, as Deanna took it, threatening death if she did not, you know suit up so to speak
0: so and yeah. so one word you mentioned earlier um, was you felt like they might have been manipulating which I don't know if I would use exactly that word necessarily but I'm on page with what you're saying is that it was more of like like they they want this done because they're looking out for themselves you know Yeah. like that's totally yeah. the energy I, yeah, I was getting definitely
1: not. Yeah, I don't manipulate manipulate like they're leaving out info or they're lying but like su- serving their own interests yeah uh, yeah. which well I, I kind of do mean manipulate in the sense of like it's about destroying this great evil is kind of how it was presented but we know the gods are scared mm-hmm. and so it's this convenient detail that's like is this more for you than it is for me <laughs> um, I do wonder if every follower got this vision or was it just Deanna and FCG um, like, did Pike get a vision
0: of her own that called her to action? Um, yeah, that was going to be my next next thing as well. I think absolutely. Like, given the severity of the situation, like we were just talking about, surely they're calling any and everyone to call to arms. Because, um, I mean, they're scared, you know? Like, I I definitely think everyone that is religious affiliated got that ping and i even wrote down a list of people i could think of that maybe had this experience um so i'm not going to like get into details obviously but like s- slight spoilers kind of just for me listing people and their affiliations with gods if that if that bothers anyone out there um but again it's not really spoilers um okay but we got um ford and caduceus and potentially Orem all with the wild mother um, okay. reaching out to them. Potentially um, we have Pike with Saren, Saren Ray slash the Everlight, light um, Yasha and also possibly grog with the storm Lord. Um, mm-hmm. We have Scanlon with uh, the knowing mistress. Uh, we have Vex with the dawn father. Um, Opal with Loth, because that's the interesting element here is that the betrayer gods would also not want this to happen you know so oh. we may even have like a convergence similar to how they took down Aeor. that they might yeah. be working together again so um opal with Lulf, um xerxes with asmodeus bro don't tease me <laughs> <laughs> um we got and some of these are are, are Kima, uh lady keema with the platinum dragon um Archon, potentially, with Tiamat. Um, and then we've got Cash from Legend of Vox Machina from Campaign 1 yeah. with, with his deity Vesh, um, which maybe. Um, and there oh, was also... the roster. Yeah, there was uh, Shikasta, uh, Shikasta, who was uh, uh, a guest in Campaign 2, Kari Payton. And um, actually, I think that's it. I don't think they're all going to show up next episode. Yeah, no, I, I don't think all these well, people are going to show up, but I, I just know. like, I could imagine their characters having this it moment. It definitely evens the odds in my mind. Whereas like
1: before we talked about this a while ago, like it feels like an insurmountable challenge. Like how would they ever take on lewdness? If all of these people are getting pinged now, it definitely feels like the the, 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 the ground's been leveled, so to speak.
0: Yeah, the, the Avengers are assembling. Um.
1: I'm so curious also, so we're presumably going to get the other group. And let's just call it, you know, 8 to 10 episodes. We come back in the fall. We're around episode 70. I wonder what their next steps are going to be. Because right now the group's heading to jasar but they're kind of directionless. It's like, yeah, we're just going to try to find our friends. And then, then what do we do? You know? Um. So I wonder if what will happen from there, or will the group, will the other group come with the next step? Like, here's what the next plan is, or something.
0: Um, I bet they would have,
1: Yeah. I was gonna say, presumably they're both bringing info to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have all this info on lewdness, which doesn't really give them enough to like do anything with. It's like good for us as the viewer. So I wonder if the other group would have, like, the more tactical, like, we know we know where he's hiding.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think they're going to have the more relevant information because they're not necessarily there, but they're much closer. Like, Team AOL could still see Ruitus, and um, I think they're going to, for them, it's going to be much more frantic, I would feel like. Like, maybe it's an immediate, like, maybe they're running for their lives type of thing. Or, I don't know, but I think they'll definitely come to the table with maybe a more actionable plan of what to do next. Um, Cause it'll be interesting to see who their who their guests are. Cause I got to imagine it's going to be people that either were also there or are also like deeply entwined in this somehow. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see any of the guests being old players. Um, like I don't see, you know, laura joining team aol as vex or anything um yeah so i'm i'm just real curious to see who it's going to be if it'll be i'm
1: real curious my first guess so i was like 90 10 on this thinking crown keepers but when you mentioned brennan and lou i was like
0: okay i'd be (laughs) really satisfied with that so that would be awesome uh which clearly there's you know they're all friends and they've had this back and forth with everyone working with each other. So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I also and not that they have to follow the same suit, but, you know, Abria was a returning guest. And then we had Christian who was brand new. Maybe it's maybe it's something similar like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also maybe there's could there be a third guest because there's one less Bell's Hells with that group. So that'd be kind of cool.
1: Well, that's also why I liked the Crown Keepers, because it seemed to make sense math wise. In that you have Dorian, um, Opal, um, if for some reason Dariax isn't there, you know, um, and then uh, Mori, Morgan, again, not the Mori mm. that we know. <laughs> um, and then uh, Furorai, that'd be four. Uh, so it'd be one extra, I guess, but.
0: I honestly would love to see opal just cuz i feel like that's so many interesting connections and like a direct line to one of the betrayers if there was this kind of teamwork that did end up getting facilitated it would make a lot of sense if it was kind of through her yeah um yeah but yeah um quite <laughs> <What> an episode <laughs> great episode um only last thing i have on my notes which is not really a discussion subject but more of just a th- thought to throw out there is could we see anything with Elixion? he is you know like the ruidus born champion that has you know in this slumber and has kind of been corrupted by ruidium i don't think we will when when fcg first got that come to god moment and he was getting i, I was wondering if um the changebringer was going to like talk to him about the jewel of three prayers and like being like, you got to yeah. go free Elixir and he's got to help us with this. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, but typically Matt like the the quests and the stories that they dive into in the source books. I don't really see Matt like integrating those into his actual campaigns because I think he wants he I, wants people to make their own stories with those. And he doesn't want to like yeah. do something with it and then like invalidate what like you did yeah. in your home game.
1: Well, um, and, and also, yeah, I mean, with how much like kind of to the point of clicheness of, um, you know, well, this isn't critical role. Like don't treat your table like critical role. Um, it gets kind of exhausting the whole back and forth on the whole <laughs> this is kind of dumb, but I definitely agree with you. I see Matt kind of wanting to protect the player experience with that source book and not wanting, you know, um, well, here's the CR version of how it happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would be surprised to see elixian um, which for our listeners, we're referring to, um, what's the source book called? Um, um well, now that you asked me, um, it's, it's in, it's in like the latest source, book, uh, not the reprint of Tal'Dorei Reborn, but, um, Explorers
0: Guide to Wildmount. Okay. I think, well, I think so. Yeah, Even though it's Marquette?
1: <laughs> Let's just look it up real quick. <laughs> Point being, it's it is a, um, a story in there that players can then like have like a quest around. Um, and elixian was um, a Ruidus born who, during the calamity, you're out of focus. Yeah.
0: Oh, there we go. Come back Ow. to us. I have it right here. Let's see. Sorry, I didn't. You continue. Oh, well, um
1: fought for the gods was bestowed gifts, and ultimately, in fighting against one of the um uh, betrayer gods was um, presumably sacrificed themselves um and now resides under under on right?
0: yeah, um. so and it's
1: sort of like lost in the stasis of. Dreamy corruption or something,
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you're curious, uh, plug again for the TikTok. I made uh, three videos about Elixian like a long time ago that are up on there that kind of describe his story in three quick videos. So, check uh, it out call the Nether Deep. Call the Nether Deep. That's right. That's yeah. what it is, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh. Just wanted to to throw him out there since he does seem kind of like a very kind of integral ruinous born that hasn't yet to be mentioned uh, in the campaign. But again, don't really expect that to come into play, really.
1: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I like I guess my theories maybe another episode with the group, uh, maybe Deanna and Frida are conveniently not there, like they got sucked out of the teleportation channel. And it'd be interesting to see the state of Drasar. I'm really curious about the state of um, Yeah. Well, How about you? If or, we get
0: another episode with this group, I don't think they make it to Jussar. Like, I think something goes wrong enough that maybe that's why the story continues with them, because they don't actually make it yet.
1: I like that for the sheer fact of why can people leave with teleportation and not come back?
0: Yeah, I mean, magic is messed up. They just now got a sending spell to work, like, teleportation is not going to work like maybe that maybe they get your drusar and it's not exactly where they want it to go but something's definitely going wrong to some extent yeah. not to mention laura's reaction what'd you make of that i think that was just because it was her, delayed i
1: think well because her reaction immediately was was like oh yeah and then she oh freaked my out God. <laughs> yeah so i i think that was a bit i think someone even said that phrasing like maybe travis was like she's doing a bit but um I do like what you're saying. It doesn't feel it feels too neat to just be there
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing if people can just freely teleport, why not just teleport back to Uthadorn? Like no one has come to Uthadorn, no one's teleported there, you know? Which yeah. is extremely suspect. So Yeah. So I like that. I'm with you.
0: But cool. yeah, so I I really don't know. It team A or team B, I, could be either one for my money. But we'll find this out.
1: This was this was quite an episode.
0: Quite th- an episode. I think, but I'll have to check. This is now our longest episode ever.
1: And it's all thanks to Pizza Hut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, So many great details, guys.
1: Tell us what y'all thought of the episode. Theories. Get into the Discord. Seriously, we're not just plugging Discord. The Discord um, has a Critical Role channel, and we have some amazing people in that channel who give some really great insights on their takes on the, on each episode. So feel free to join us. Everybody's welcome. Uh, whether you're a new critter or a veteran one, we just love to talk critical role, man. So if you enjoy that, it's the perfect place for you and let us know in the comments as well.
0: So yeah, please do. Um, all we need now is the thumbnail. Yeah. It's just gotta be a good one for this episode. So I don't, I was thinking like, and please hit me with ideas if you got them. But the first thing I've, Thought of was like just all the lore, so like I was, I was thinking like maybe I have like a pencil, like desperately writing or something. Yeah,
1: um Let me get my glasses and I'll. Okay, it'll help too.
0: Hang on. Hmm, indubitably. Blake never told us what he got from Pizza Hut. Right. I'm have
1: to find that out. I can do like a, um like a. Like this action.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you can you lift the uh book a little bit higher so it's in uh like this. Uh. And Now slightly this way. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. All right. Hold on. Let me get in position as well. Are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the people want to know what what pizza did you end up getting? What like what toppings?
1: All right. So I'm a a, here's the deal, guys. We should have kept this in the intro because probably turn us off at this point but i'm a man of nostalgia um if something's nostalgic for me i it tastes better spaghettios had it all the time as a kid is it objectively disgusting probably (laughs) it tastes so good to me tyson chicken nuggets same thing i just have certain things (laughs) which makes me think of the time that you said you wanted a couple
0: that's what i was thinking of too
1: So when I was a kid, Wednesday nights were pizza night, and my dad always got thin crust sausage. Um, so that's what I got. And then I got a pepperoni pizza, too. Nice. So at, at first, my order was like 30 bucks. And then I was like, I'm like hopelessly broke. So what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> so I took off like the breadsticks and like the two liter, you know, and so it's just a couple of pizzas.
0: Hey, there's so. no, can't go wrong with just a couple of pizzas, though. That's right. That's right. So anyway i might have yeah. to get pizza now tonight as well but yeah all right we've drugged this on long enough um
1: y'all thanks hit, yeah,
0: the, the mark for the longest app
1: was yeah I'm keep going
0: i'm pre- yeah i'm pretty sure we've hit it now because i think our longest one was episode four of exu i don't know why like, like i know that specific but we gave like a 50 minute recap of that it was long, that yeah. episode that um, was
1: the time we were like we probably need to like workshop these recaps <laughs> like these are this is really long <laughs>
0: yeah so, anyway, all right. But yeah, especially if you made it this far, thanks, y'all. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. We'll see you soon. See ya. Bye, guys.